In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. We read today in the scripture, in John 16, 24, Christ is speaking to his disciples and he said, Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. And oftentimes when we speak about the Christian faith, we speak about how this should be full of joy and that we should always be joyful and, and, and the sense of joy should be pervading our lives and that Christ gives us joy. And here he's saying, ask and you receive. So ask for joy and we will receive joy. But then we ask ourselves, what is this kind of joy? You know, many times people will read this and assume that it means that anytime we pray and we ask God for something that we want, our hearts desire, that God is going to give it to us. And because of these things that we are receiving from God, we will be happy and we will be joyful. Um, but if we look actually at our lives and we look at the lives of those people who lived before us, that we read their stories in the scripture, we find that a lot of times there was a lot of pain and there was a lot of suffering. So we have to really try to understand what is this joy and how is it that we can get this joy in the Christian life. Because there are many things actually that God allows in our life that is actually sorrowful, very sorrowful. And yet these sorrows, God turns into joy. And through these sorrows, God is actually able to use them for our good. So we're going to speak about what are some of the different kinds of sorrow that we experience in life. And then we will talk about how these sorrows actually lead us to joy. Then maybe something from the outset, from the beginning, looks like it is just sorrowful and painful and something we would like to avoid. And yet how God uses this for something good in the end. The first kind of sorrow we'll speak about is the sorrow of labor and struggle. We read in John 16 verse 2, it says, A woman, when she is in labor, has sorrow because her hour has come. But as soon as she has given birth to the child, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being <clears throat> has come into the world. Any woman who is, is, is leading up to the point of labor, it's very stressful, very painful, very anxious. You feel like it's, uh, you know, it's something that's very difficult to go through. But the moment after the labor is complete and the child is born into the world, it says what? There is joy for a human being that has been born into the world. Anything actually that, uh, you know, requires a lot of hard work and a lot of pain and people even like, for instance, in, in career, that people spend many, many years studying, many, many years working, long hours at work and so on in order to, to accomplish something, some goal that we want to accomplish in the end. And then once we accomplish the goal, we look back at all of that struggle and we realize that this was all worth it for the outcome that we were working toward in the end. So the outcome of struggle is joy. So while you look at you know, maybe somebody's life during that period of struggle, during that period of labor, we look at it and we say, why God are you allowing this? This is a period of struggle. And yet in the end, we see that struggle produces something good. So while we are asking God for joy, maybe God is going to give us labor and give us struggle in order to create the joy that comes out of it. Another type of sorrow is the sorrow of repentance and remorse. In 2 Corinthians 7.10, it says, For godly sorrow produces repentance, leading to salvation, and not to be regretted, but the sorrow of the world produces death. So we have to make a distinction here between what is the sorrow of repentance, this godly repentance, and what is the sorrow of the world. The sorrow of repentance is a personal regret that I feel toward the sin that I have committed. I regret because I I am sinning against God, I'm breaking God's commandment, I'm doing against what it is that God wants, and I feel as a result of this guilt and shame. And our society tells us that actually guilt and shame are harmful. We, we shouldn't feel any guilt and we shouldn't feel any shame. But this is actually wrong. 
Feeling guilt and shame is something that brings us to repentance. Once we have repented, then we should not feel guilt and shame. Right? The, the ongoing uh, lifelong guilt and shame, this is destructive. But the short-term guilt and shame that I feel because of a sin that I committed, which leads me rep to repentance, which leads me to confession, this is actually very valuable. This is here what he's saying. Godly sorrow produces repentance leading to salvation, not to be regretted. So we actually, when we go through this type of sorrow, we shouldn't be looking at it as something bad. Actually, this is the soft heart that we have, that the Holy Spirit works in to bring us to repentance, to bring us to a desire of correction and admitting our faults and wanting to change. This is the type of, of sorrow that leads to repentance. And this is something that brings joy because maybe during the time of sorrow and regret, I feel a lot of pain and, and, and guilt. But after this, I put it in the feet of Christ and I admit this sin and I confess this sin. Instead of carrying this sin with me, this mistake with me for the rest of my life, God removes it from me. And once it is removed from me, I feel like this unspeakable joy. This such a great sense of joy that, that God has removed this sin. So again, there is a period of sorrow that ends in joy. The third type of sorrow that we'll speak about is the sorrow of sharing in other people's sufferings. In Romans 12, 15, it says, Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep for those with those who weep. When we sometimes are wanting to enjoy ourselves in something, we, we, you know, we, we want to be in a good mood, we don't want to do things that are so sorrowful, we want to have a party, and yet somebody around us maybe is suffering in some kind of a way. Somebody had just a death in the family, someone is sick, someone is, has something that is difficult that they're going through. What type, you know, how should we respond to this? A very good example of this is in the story of Tobit. Tobit is one of the deuterocanonical books in the Old Testament. And in the book, there is one scene where he is uh, having a meal with his family and he is celebrating the Feast of Weeks, which is one of the feasts of the Old Testament. And while they're having this joyful mood and attitude in the, while he is eating, someone comes to Tobit and he tells him there is some random stranger that he doesn't know that has died in the streets. Okay. It's not somebody in his house, it's not any of his relatives, it's not anyone at all that he knows. It's just some random stranger that's died in the streets. So Tobit gets up from this dinner, from this celebration that he has, and he goes and buries this, this person that has died in the streets. And then he comes back again. This teaches us something about sharing and the sorrow and the pain of other people. Maybe sometimes we want to enjoy ourselves and we want to have a good time, which is fine. But while this is happening, maybe there's other people that are suffering. And there's those people that are suffering are people that I can help, that I can do something to help them, to aid them. And so I shouldn't neglect them and say, you know what, I don't want to be thinking about these mournful thoughts and mournful things. I just want to think about the happy things. God is telling us what, whenever we weep with those who weep, this is a service to Him. Weeping with those who weep. And also rejoicing with those who rejoice. So this kind of a sorrow of sharing in the burdens of other people is very important to us. It's difficult sometimes because when we have our own problems and our own things that kind of are depressing in our own life, it's difficult for us sometimes to also share in other people's suffering. I, mean, I have my own suffering and now you're asking me to share in the suffering of other people. But this is what God has called us to do. And this is the way that we show love to one another and love to God himself who has called us to do this. So this is another type of joy. 
This is another type of joy that we are sharing and giving to another person that even though there is a period of sorrow, it results in joy in the end. Joy for the other person that we are sharing their sorrow with and joy for ourselves that we are serving them and giving them according to God's command. The fourth type of sorrow that we discuss is a sorrow toward those who are not yet in Christ. A sorrow for the unbelievers, for those who are living a life away from God. St. Paul says in Romans 9, I have great sorrow and continual grief in my heart, for I could wish that I myself were accursed for, uh, from Christ for my brethren, my countrymen according to the flesh. What is he saying? St. Paul is so sorrowful because of those people who are far from Christ, and he's saying, I myself would wish that I were accursed for the sake of my brethren. Like he's saying, I would rather be the one who is far away from God and that these people be close to him than vice versa. Okay? That she's showing how much he is sorrowful for the suffering of those people because of simply that they are away from God. He felt very sad for them because they were perishing. And this is the type of sadness and this is the type of, of you know, feelings that we should have toward the world that is living away from Christ. We, thank God, are in the church and we have been granted salvation through the mysteries of God that is working in the church and that we found ourselves here. Some people born here, some people found themselves here in one way or the other, but in the end we are here. And we are here and God is offering us salvation and He's teaching us the path of salvation that we should walk. And while this should bring us so much joy and comfort, and yet we should look at the people around us in the world and we should have sorrow for them. And this type of sorrow is not a sorrow of judgment, this is a sorrow that should cause us to go and to preach. It should cause us to go and, and show love. It should, should cause us to sacrifice for their sake. Just as St. Paul went and preached to the entire world, going from place to place, not for any reason other than he felt sorrow and sadness toward all these people that hadn't yet heard the good news, the message of Christ, the gospel. And so this should be also our motivation when we, sh when we go into the world I'm not just happy that I'm in the church. I'm not just happy that we have the true faith. That happiness should translate into something for someone else. So this type of sorrow actually should result in joy when we see those people who are far from Christ come to Him, to, to meet with Him, to know Him, to learn about Him, to, to desire to come. And when we invite people to the church and we see them to come, this should be something that gives us joy. But that joy can only happen that starts out with a sorrow. The sorrow of wanting to see the salvation of the world, wanting to see salvation of the people in my life specifically, that God has placed in my life, that I have access to, that might even listen to me, that I, that I don't shy away from speaking to them, that, that I open my mouth and I say, hey, uh, I want to tell you about the church I go to. I'm inviting you to a Bible study. I'm inviting you to uh, the harvest meeting. I'm inviting you to whatever, to an outing because I want you to share with me the joy that I have. And this again should be a kind of a sorrow, not something that I take lightly, not something that just very casually, when I really believe and think, what is the salvation that Christ has offered me? And what is the rest of the word denied this salvation because they do not believe? And God has come to me and said, it is your responsibility to share this with your brethren. So this sorrow leads us to joy. There is another kind of sorrow, which is the sorrow of chastisement. Whenever we are being chastised, whenever we are suffering the consequences of our actions, wrong actions that we have done. In Hebrews 12, 11, it says, Now no chastising seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, 
Afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Any one of us who has fallen into the consequences of wrong choices and wrong decisions that we have done, at no point in that process do we think about it and we say, well, this is very good. You know, I'm, I'm happy that this happened to me. It, it doesn't feel good. It feels very bad. And yet here what St. Paul is telling us that when we are chastised, when we receive the consequences of wrong actions, right, then he's saying it doesn't seem to be joyful. It doesn't seem to be joyful. It doesn't appear to be joyful at the time, but painful. But if you take a long view, if you say what is the final outcome, what is like the long-term benefit of this chastising, he says what? It yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness. And actually, this is what we ask God for. You know, in our prayers, we ask God, give me fruit, give me peace, give me righteousness. This is what we ask God for. So maybe in order for us to receive this, there has to be some kind of chastising. How is it that we will achieve this peaceable fruit of righteousness? It's because we see God's goodness and we see our own wickedness. When I realize my wickedness, when I realize my shortcomings, when I realize the mistakes that I make, my, that I'm unable to do good, and then I come to God and I ask God's forgiveness, I ask for His salvation, and God trains me, God teaches me, God helps me to grow. And, and maybe we've all experienced in our life that some of the times of the most growth and self-understanding and a positive change that happens in our life is difficult times. Times where we are forced to deal with situations that we would rather not deal with and things that are unexpected. And yet it was through those times that God taught us the most about himself, that he taught us the most about ourselves, that he, he strengthened us the most to be able to do what maybe we never believed was possible that we could do. And so here... The purpose of God's rebuke and, and trials and sufferings that we face is not to crush us, but to bring us long-lasting joy, the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Yet, yet another thing that it looks like sorrow at the beginning and is sorrowful, but God is intending it for joy. So we ask the question, why are all of these good? You know, what, 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 is, it, what is good about all of these? The first point is that they eventually lead us to bear fruits. All these sorrows that we experience, they eventually lead us to bear fruits. It's something we must pass through in order to, 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 to bear fruits, in order to grow and to bear the fruits of the Spirit. The second is they are godly sorrows that lead us to repentance. Right? These types of sorrows are the godly sorrow. The kind of sorrow that the world sorrows with as those who have no hope is a sorrow of depression and sadness that there is no purpose in the world, that there is no purpose to my suffering, that there is, there is no God, there is no, there's, there's, there's nothing good here inherently, and that after death we die and we disappear. Right? That is the sorrow of the world without any hope. But we don't have this type of sorrow. We have a sorrow that when I sorrow for my sins, God restores me, that God lifts me up, that God has promised for me a place in heaven for me, for, for me to dwell with Him for eternity. So this brings us to repentance and brings us joy and brings us hope that the life that God has created for us is not just a God of sadness or a life of sadness, but it is a life of hope and joy. Also, these are good sorrows because they reflect care and love for others. I sometimes suffer. If you look at the life of any parent, you know, yesterday we had the ARC program for the pre-K parents and the pre-K kids, and we were talking about with the, with the parents about a lot of the difficulties that we go through as parents having to raise children. And if you look at anyone who is a parent, what you have decided to do by becoming a parent is you have decided to suffer for your children. This is, this is in essence what you have decided to do. And, and you have done this willingly. 
and, and you knew what you were getting into when you did it, and yet you still chose to do it. People ask the question is, why would God create Adam and Eve when he knew that they would betray him? And that's the same thing that we do with our children. We know that when we have children that they're going to disobey us, that they're going to disrespect us, that it's going to be difficult. Okay? And yet we still choose to have them, and that's how much we love them. We love them despite of the way that they treat us, knowing full well that this is how we're going to be treated. So God loves us this way, and he wants us to love others and to reflect this care and love that we have for others. Right? God is calling us to love. Parents are called to love their children, even in suffering. So while we know as parents that we suffer in loving our children, and yet this is a way that we show love to them. We love you even when you don't deserve love. We love you not because you have acted good. We love you because of who you are and our relationship with you. And so sometimes God in sorrow teaches us how to love other people, that we are suffering for the sake of others. Also, these are good sorrows because they encourage us to pray. Right? In the verse that we read at the beginning, it says what? Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. Those who are asking God for joy are those who tend not to already have it. Right? When we are asking God for something good, when we're asking God for joy, it's because we feel like we're lacking joy. It's because we feel we have sadness. So I'm coming to God and saying, give me joy. So even having that sense of a sorrow is something that should drive us to pray, drive us to talk with God. One of the reasons that we, you know, that causes us to pray is when we are denied the things that we want. When I'm denied the things that I need, that's when I go to God and say, God, give me what I need. Give me joy. Anyone who is suffering, who, anyone who's depressed, anyone who has sadness in their life, that is what they should do. So you turn to God and say, God, you are the only source of joy that is in the world. It is not my family. It is not my friends. It is not my money. It is not my job. It is not anything else. It is only you are the source of joy. So whenever I have sadness, we should go to God as the first thing, not the last thing. Sometimes we go to him as the last thing. We try everything and it doesn't work. And then we say, well, the only thing left I can do is pray. It's backwards. It should be the opposite. I go to God first and I do everything else. But God should be the first thing that I go to and not the last. The other characteristic about these sorrows and why they are good is because they cannot deprive us of joy. In 2 Corinthians 6.10, St. Paul is speaking and he says what? As sorrowful yet always rejoicing. We can be rejoicing while still experiencing sorrow. And God never said you will not experience sorrow in your life. Actually, he said the opposite. He said, in the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. So he never said you will not have tribulation because you are a Christian. He says you will have tribulation, and yet you will have rejoicing in this tribulation. Okay? And this is what, what we, he is calling us to. How is it that I can be sorrowful and experiencing the sorrow in the world, while at the same time being joyful and hopeful that God is turning it into good, that God is transforming it into something for my good? So... In conclusion, we spoke about five different types of sorrow that lead us to joy. The first one was the sorrow of labor and struggle, that, that through hard work, that through childbearing, that through anything difficult that we do that might seem sorrowful for the moment and painful and difficult for the moment, that there can be coming out of it something good through the hard work that we did. The second is the sorrow of repentance and remorse. That if we never felt the sorrow of repentance and remorse, we would never confess. We would never go to God and ask for his forgiveness. If we're only thinking about, I don't want to think about this depressing stuff. I don't want to think about my sins. I don't want to think about the mistakes I've made. No, we have to do that. We have to think about that. That is part of self-examination. 
This is why people don't want to examine themselves because we don't want to feel sorrow. We don't want to. We want to. We don't want to feel bad about ourselves. We want to feel always good. But actually, we're deluding ourselves. We're pretending and imagining that something is true that it isn't. We have to be honest with who we really are, and not to be afraid of bringing the truth of who I am with all of my sins, no matter how wicked and disgusting. That I come to God and I say, "These are my sins." This is who I am. Forgive me. I want to start over. I want to try again. This sorrow produces repentance and this, this sorrow produces joy. We have to go through this sorrow in order to get to the joy. The third was the sorrow of sharing in other sufferings. That God tells us to, to share the burdens and to carry the burdens of other people. It is not this that I want to live in my little bubble where I want to have joy on my own. God says, go and look who is suffering. Go and see those who are suffering around the world. Go see those who are of your friends and family that are suffering and you go be a caregiver to them. You go give them love. You share of the joy that you have with them. The fourth is the sorrow of those who are not yet in Christ. That I, that I should be sorrowing for those people who are away from God, those people who do not know Him, those people who don't have the benefits of the church, don't have the benefits of the sacraments like we have. My heart should be torn apart because of those people living in darkness. And then finally, the sorrow of chastisement. That even though chastisement is not pleasant in the moment, but it is producing for us the peaceable fruit of righteousness for those who have been trained by it. So may God help us to understand sorrow in the world and the sorrows that we experience. What is the purpose of this sorrow and how we can go through it triumphantly. And glory be to God forever. Amen.